Hey Joseph, how's it going? I'm doing good, Tony. How are you? I'm good. So we're doing a podcast today. Interestingly enough, this、uh, beta t- part two, I guess. Is it because we're too we we can't be asked to write to write blog posts? We're starting、yes. taking the easy route.、Right. No, this this is far more complicated. You know,、uh, blogs <laughs> <laughs> blogs like The Verge they're they're going into this more mainstream area for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. So、uh, I guess the backstory to this was.、Um, We wanted a different way to reach our audience in a different、mm-hmm. way, as opposed to just writing blog posts as we traditionally do. Yeah. And so last week we almost published the first podcast, which was recorded with my iPod. Yeah. In a crowded lunch area、yeah. at Java City. Yeah. And I had qualms about it. If you want to do it correct the first <laughs> time, you got to do it right, and it's、right. got to be good. So、right. here we are. So close. So、But、close. hopefully this one will be good enough for Joseph to approve, and then we'll have it published,、yeah. and it will see the light of day. Yep. Although the first one is available on SoundCloud. Yeah. Right now. So we'll try to、uh, get better and better at this as we go along. Okay. So. Cool. All right. So, oh, one more thing.、Mm. Joseph, tell tell us about the、uh, equipment we have today. Well, we have a mixture of.、Um, Dynamic microphones, the SM57. That's on Tony's end, and we have my newest addition to my microphone family is the、uh, condenser microphone, the MXL770. A、um, couple of boom mic stands, nothing too fancy. I'm using a Tascam DP008 to record. It's got two XLR inputs, which is really nice. Both phantom powered enabled, so you can use condenser microphones that require the forty eight volts. I think that's the specs for phantom power. But、um, yeah, the you know first step towards quality recording is in the actual equipment, and you know if I had the money, I would get two condenser microphones because they're better for speech. But you know SM fifty seven is the standard for audio recording, so. Decent, decent for what we needed to do. Interestingly enough,、uh, last week、uh, Joseph was talking about audio technology the whole time, and、uh, so that's the topic of the first podcast. Yeah. And also, if you're interested in donating, as Joseph has reminded me repeatedly before we started, he、uh, is seeking eighty dollars in <laughs> fundraising funds to.、Uh, To、uh, purchase a second,、uh, what what are these called? A、uh, second condenser microphone, condenser the one I'm using right now. Right, because so, Tony doesn't pay me enough to get another yes. one. Yes, so we are creating Kickstarter, <laughs> and for two dollars you can get a personal call from Joseph, and then for four dollars you get a Skype inter、uh, Skype call from both of us. You trying to pin the first one on me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All, All right. right. So I guess the general structure: we have a couple topics. Today, and、uh, we'll just run through them、uh, as we go along.、Uh, since this is our first time, you know, we'll just figure out things as we go along. So, first topic for today: mailbox. <sighs> mailbox. Mailbox. What number are you on, Tony? I'm on like three hundred and thirteen thousand right now. Uh, let me check. Um, three hundred. It's going down three. Three hundred thirty thousand two hundred sixty. So three hundred thirty thousand. How did I beat you in line? Because I signed up after you. 
what the hell? That is true. What? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is really depressing me now. You know, it's like <laughs> you download the application. It's free. You expect something to happen. And then it's this whole reservation system is like, you know, the, sure, there's probably server overhead. But then, you know, recently they, t- they tweeted about having server issues. And I'm just, I was thinking to myself, well, you have a reservation system, so how can there be server issues? I mean, you're not letting like a million people in out the gate the first time. So if you if you did that, then I would understand you having server issues. But you're having a reservation system. I've sat at the reservation system. Both reservation system. Both of us have right. for you know weeks. Well, a week, two weeks. Okay, two weeks. Two weeks. And we've only moved up a hundred thousand people. There's still well, we started at six hundred, so about two hundred seventy. You know, it's you know, people. You know, they want to say it's not. It's because of system stability. And honestly, I I don't think I buy that one bit. <laughs> well, it's an excellent marketing uh, uh, strategy. You know, is, is it a positive marketing strategy? Is it a negative marketing strategy? You know, that's another right. thing to consider. Where you know, you're. <laughs> On the one hand, it's like you can tell people, well, we got 400, 500, X amount of people in line for this app. And people might think, well, that's pretty awesome. Hmm. Or, you know, it's a negative thing where it's like, man, these guys, they're making this app. I don't have to wait on any other apps. So why should I have to wait on this one? It must suck. You know, that's, you know, that's partially why... You know, people get bumped up on the line because some people are just like, screw it. I'm not going to wait right. three, four weeks just to get to use a mailbox app. That's a, <laughs> they're marketing as this like brand new revolutionary way to do mail. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if this was an app that would, you know, mail you a hundred dollar check every week. Right. And there was like a 600, 600,000. You have to wait six years just to get, get in. Hey, that's fine. You know, I get a hundred <laughs> bucks a week. It's better than what it's better than what um, what Tony pays me. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, I would sure I would wait. Reasonably, I would wait. Right. But this is this is, this is a mail app. Right. Like, seriously, and I really hope this doesn't catch on. Well, the thing is, mail is a big thing that a lot of smartphone users uh, use their device for, and so. I mean, how many times a day do you check your email from your iPhone, right? I know I check it, you know, once every hour or so, which is unhealthy, of course. But so I think that's part of the reason why so many people got so excited when they saw that uh, video intro, that video um, promotion. And that's why everyone got excited. And of course, the tech crowd also uh, didn't make it any better. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you I read those articles, and they all touted Mailbox as this really awesome mail application. And I'm, I'm sure it is. But, you know, I've also heard some downsides. I mean, mm-hmm. there are a lot of corporate users out there that have to deal with Microsoft Exchange. And I've heard that Mailbox doesn't support Exchange at the moment. Right. So that cuts out a big chunk of, you know, the people that use email on a day-to-day basis. Right. And then you leave, after that, you leave the average schmoes like you and me right. that check mail you know, every like you every hour. I check every time my phone vibrates. Right. So, I don't know. It's it's this weird thing. You know, it's, it's unheard of. Dare I say innovative? But it's, it's unheard of and... What effect this will have on future app releases, I 
can't really say. And I'm terrified because, right. you know, if it picks up, <laughs> that may just be enough to discourage me from downloading the app. Because, you know, the mindset of getting an app is that, okay, I downloaded it, I can use it now. But if I have to sit in line with 500 other thousand average schmoes out there... Right. You know, that's gonna. I'm just gonna find an alternative where I don't have to like wait. I mean, are those features groundbreaking? Is right. it like is a unicorn popping up in my room, like right. granting me wishes every night? Well, I think the the special case for mailbox, and there was also another app called Tempo, which is a calendaring app that yeah. came out recently, and yeah. also uh, soon implemented a reservation system. Yeah, is that they need to do this because they have ser- a server which accommodates the users. Which, yeah, which is why they cannot handle <clears throat> the server load. Yeah, right? that's but the if, official. If story. you're releasing a new app like a game, right? Yeah. Angry Birds 2.0. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that should be a concern in terms of a reservation system there. Yeah, I can see a reservation system not working for specific right. genres of apps, but just given the mindset of people right maybe yeah. a reservation system for early access I think maybe make, i mean that, that would, makes sense yeah right? it's a beta product yeah. so get in line maybe you can try although it. google sure has totally ruined the term beta right. for forever right so maybe it'll be alpha and <laughs> even then you'll get like piss poor reviews on the right. on the app store you know right. ah, this thing sucks even though i got even though i got uh, early access her 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 you know right. yeah Speaking of beta, uh, let's talk about Google Glass. Google Glass, okay. $1,500. $1,500. To be sold to the masses <clears throat> by the end of this year, holiday season, right? Probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. Interesting concept. You know, there was an article I was reading on Ars Technica about wearable technology and how it always has struggled historically to be picked up by consumers. And one of the reasons why was because of fashion. Right. You know, you it, it was considered dorky to wear even like smartwatches, calculator watches, you know, those mm-hmm. like back in the 90s, back in the 80s. It was considered to be this completely dorky thing. You were like considered a tech nerd and all that. The social stigma coming from wearing these, you know, portable gadgets um, really hindered adoption of these uh, wearable technologies, and you know. Um, but now, fast forward to the to 2013, you know, and Google's heading this project, and people are, like raving on how cool this is and how it might change the face of the earth. You know, the the social stigma exists. Right. Certainly, it still does. Right. It's a question of. It's a matter of how how deep it is in our society compared to the 1980s and 1990s. And the price tag certainly will push a lot of eager consumers off of the, off of the wagon, but maybe they're trying to push for a, you know, a Tesla Tesla business model by appealing to the rich tech enthusiasts first, and then using that to drive, the cost down right. economies of scale sort of thing. Right. But you know, the a concept is not new. It's cool. It's not new, but it's, it'll be very interesting to see what Google does with mm. this technology and ultimately the data that comes with it. And that mm. 
alone comes with its own set of privacy problems that we uh, we as a society need to take into account of right you mentioned that social stigma aspect and i i think you already saw the verge article uh this morning and they were interviewing two people at google who was involved with the project and then he mentioned about the fashion aspect like would i even want to wear this this would make me look dorky or this wouldn't be fashionable at all. Yeah, and, and that's so, the social stigma part coming right. in. And then so he, I think it was Joshua Topolsky. Yeah. And he mentioned, he asked him, are you in a partnership with uh, Ray-Ban or one of the sunglasses uh, companies to, you know, create a product that is not only functional, but also aesthetically pleasing to wear. And then... There, I think there was an article recently where the Wall Street Journal mentioned that there was a rumor saying that Google was working with another company called Warby Parkers. Or yeah, Warby I, I heard about that one. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, it's, it's it's. I'm pretty sure that's on Google's mind that they're yeah. considering that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a different paradigm to approach when you're trying to sell this kind of product because yeah. it's one thing trying to sell software because software is not publicly publicly uh, seeable viewable when you're out walking about the street unless someone is stalking you but i hope no one does but this is an entirely new thing it's like the watches thing i mean you have to pair up with these <clears throat> designers to make aesthetically pleasing devices and that's going to either make or break the adoption rate of Google Glasses, even among the people that are among the very rich and technologically technological enthusiasts. And that is going to make or break whether or not this thing takes off from the ground. Because if yeah. the early adopters don't see them wearing it, don't see wearing it in public as a viable social um, uh, option... Well, it's not going to take off. You're right. going to have to see lower and lower adoption. And eventually it's going to crash and burn like the last portable glass, computer glasses project back in the 1990s. Right. I think that's part of the reason why Siri or other voice control assistant technologies haven't really taken off in terms of mainstream. Mainly because if you're standing in a public area, say you're on the bus, yeah, are you really going to pull out your phone and ask Siri questions that everyone else can hear immediately yeah i think that's just a that's just a fundamental um <clears throat> i don't, I don't want to say problem but a fundamental part of our society that when we're in public you don't really go out and speak to out loud right even to like out loud to a friend unless you're obnoxious like that right but to do it to a electronic device that makes it even more of a you know Right. A silly thing mm -hmm. in American society, at least. God forbid if you're in Japan and you mm -hmm. start speaking to your phone in public, everyone's going to be glaring at you. Right. But, you know, that's the funny thing about voice recognition software is that they have tried this before and it's failed miserably because the technology wasn't there. And there's another thing about technological about technologies being adopted by people is that if it crashes and burns the first time around, the second time around, it's going to be on people's minds when it pops up again. And people claiming that it's been fixed or that it's 
better. You know, there's going to be skepticism, and that's understandable. You know, people learn from mistakes, and if the first implementation of a specific piece of technology was a was a failure, then the adoption is it's climbing an upward. It's an upward hill battle right. for adoption. So the risk, of course, is being a niche product. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's always the biggest fear. Like some, you know, some technologies thrive on being a niche product. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see Apple intro- introducing first the first products their their first in, their first products into a market, like say the iPod when it first came out in two thousand one. You know, the music player market was already filled with flash players, already had CD players, and you had these gigantic clunky nomads. You know, I almost bought boom one. Box. Yeah. Right. Not the boombox, but the hard drive-based creative nomads. Right. They're, you know, the size of your forearm or something. They're thick as your forearm. But, you know, this is like a... But when the iPod first came out, it was a niche product. You know, only had Firewire on it, Mac supported, because iTunes was only a Mac platform. But then, you know, and then it suffered from being a niche product. And, you know, the sales were fairly low because only Mac users and enthusiasts could buy it. And you know what happened? The upper echelon of Apple convinced Steve Jobs to make, to cross-platform iTunes and to get rid of the or not get rid of the firewire but get rid of the exclusivity of firewire connections because even PCs back then didn't have firewire they made it into USB 2.0 and they sort of expanded they got their foot in the door and they expanded it right and i think that's what google glasses has to do they have to get i mean it's going to be a niche product in the beginning that's right. that's for certain right. but they have to expand it using their own repertoire of services and databases to make it that thing that integrates with everybody's lives so that in, in a couple of years from now people will go up and think well where was this before mm-hmm. you know they couldn't even imagine a life without google glasses and i think google's going to have to go that route they have mm-hmm. to get their foot in the door first and then expand on the uh, the the data set and the skill set google glasses can have right they Google also released um, video recently, a couple of days ago, called uh, w- "What Is It Like Wearing Google Glass." Yeah. So essentially, every time they are recording, they show what the perspective is like yeah. from a uh, person wearing the device. Yeah, and it's it's quite interesting because yeah. it looks like a uh, it's just a box in the top right corner from your view, mm-hmm. and it's voice controlled. You can say. I forgot what was it. Okay, glass, and then you can tell it, record now. Yeah. And then I thought that was really interesting in terms of being able to capture photos and photography. Yeah. I mean, and videos, I mean. Instagram photos will never be the same. Oh, God. There's so many things. Whatever. Yeah. Sure, taking photos is nice. You can... I am not going to comment on that. Because I'm a big DSLR buff, and I'm... Instagram just tickles me the wrong way. Right. I think the GPS aspect would be really, really useful. I mean, instead of pulling out your phone or looking at a map, you just say, uh, Google, tell me where the nearby subway is. And then the arrow will show up every time you walk down the street and say, turn right, walk 200 meters. Yeah. And there you are. The thing about GPS is that it's, it's, 
it's a double-edged sword. Well, if you're if you believe in privacy like I do. It's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, you have the power it's the power of convenience. You can ask Google where is this coffee shop? You know, you have an appointment with someone, where is it? And you know, heads up display pops up, like go this way, go this way. And but on the flip side, you know, Google is a data hoarding company. Like their entire business model is based around using their user data and feeding you advertisements through that. So, I mean, if you don't have any concerns about your privacy, well, this probably won't be a problem for you. But for someone like me, if Google Glasses picks up, there has to be some sort of social adjustment. Big brother, right? Big there's, brother yeah, there's that problem, out, you right? know? And the U.S. is starting, you know, the U.S. data protection laws are fairly lax compared to their European counterparts right. in more than one ways. But data collecting is such this lucrative business prospect. And it's really scary to imagine a giant company like Google, whose motto was originally, do no evil. or Don't be evil. Don't be evil. Right. right. But, you know, <laughs> history has a way of uh, coming back and, and biting us in the ass about people who claim not to be evil. Right. And it's, we, I think we as a society have to be wary about giving so much of this information to one single source. Right. So there, we have to take into consideration about privacy issues. Right. I mean, if you just think about where we were five, ten years ago, the thought of checking in to a location, tweeting about what you're doing at every given moment, yeah, that was never even a consideration for most people. Yeah, and, and you know, the people of the older generation would say... Why? Like, why do you even care what other people, like, want? Why do you even care about sharing your position with people? Right. And, you know, to some people, it's terrifying. Like, using Foursquare is, like, this really scary thing. Like, why would I want to sh- let people know that I'm at... Foursquare specials. Ex- okay, okay <laughs> Foursquare specials. Like, if you're into those sort of, like, those monetary or um, reward-based systems, like, yeah, sure, if you want, <laughs> at the expense of your... At the expense of privacy. Yeah. But, you know, I can understand amongst all... Amongst older mm. generations, why concerns about privacy is a big issue. Because, you know, mm. no one wants to be the guy that gets mugged because they were stalking you on Foursquare. Right. Or, you know. It's someone... actually already sort of happened. I think I read a blog post. Someone was like, <laughs> they, they got tweeted like, or something like, I know where you are or something. Oh, or, my God. It, and then that person. So, so it begins, is, Tony. So it begins. I think, although I think most of them are typically outliers, it's not the norm. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. the number of stalkers far is far outweighed by the number of users. Yeah. But you know, it's still a statistical probability that something like that can happen. I mean, it's going to happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just something to just food right. for thought you have to take in consideration of, especially with something as big as Google Glasses. All right. Let's all right. So let's move on to the next topic. Yeah. Let's stick with Google, I guess. So uh, the other day they announced their new uh, laptop, Chrome Pixel. Yeah, Chrome Pixel. So it's not made by. Um, 
Samsung. Sam or no. Didn't they have a different uh, laptop that was... Oh, no, their Nexus tablet. Who was that made by? The hardware, I mean. Hardware. For the I think Nexus. that was Asus or something, right? One of those Asian yeah. companies. So I guess now they are, you know, offering both the hardware and the software aspect for yep. their Chrome Pixel. Yeah. The biggest news about the Chrome Pixel is that the price right. is... $12.99 <laughs> and what's the uh, LTE version? $1,500, I think. I, all I saw was the $1,500 price tag and right. $1,500 Facebook machine. <laughs> I mean, there are arguments about this machine. Right. For and, for and against. You know, there's on one side, people are for it because, you know, you could... Chrome OS is it's still in its infancy. Right. And, you know, that's understandable. Have you ever tried Chrome OS? I had a friend that had a Chromebook, and I've messed with it a bit. Right. I didn't find it to be nice, right. but they've changed it significantly since True. I used it. True. I think it was like when we first heard about it, and then there was that uh, yeah. program where they sent literal you know, yeah. Chromebooks it was, to yeah, everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. remember that. Yeah. Uh, imagine how surprised I was when uh, UPS showed up and dropped this big old box and then I was like, man, this is Christmas Day. Yeah. I got a free laptop from yeah. from Google. Yeah. But, of course, um, it was shit because, I mean, it's not going to completely replace the yeah. laptop I already had. In the infancy, it was like the software suite wasn't there. Right. I mean, it's just the web apps uh, on that day. That's yeah. how you were going to yeah. use software, like for documents yeah. or video. And the thing about the web apps is that that's entirely dependent on you having an internet connection. Right. And sure, you're going to have one when you're at home, but this is a laptop. You're right. going to be traveling mm -hmm. all the time, and that that's where the LTE part makes sense. Right. But then the LTE part, on that side, there's data caps. You know, Verizon's monthly, got, monthly uh, Yeah, fees. monthly fees. I mean, you're paying 30 bucks a month. You got two gigabytes of data from Verizon, probably less from AT&T. And these are these are laptops that you have to be on the internet to use. Right. So I think that's part of the reason why Google is offering one terabyte of cloud storage for I think it's all users or just anyone who pays a certain fee. Well well let's think about this for a second. You get two gigabytes of data usage a month before you they start hitting you with like right. five dollars a gigabyte uh, penalties. Right. You get one terabyte you're gonna if you're gonna use all one terabyte in one month, you're gonna run into a lot of data fees in the first month. I'm well, gonna tell you that. Well, that's only assuming you're using the LTE connection, right? Yeah. But if you're always on Wi-Fi or yeah, I don't know if they have an Ethernet port. I assume so, right? And so I mean that really shouldn't sure. be concerned. Only if you're constantly on the go, I don't think you're gonna. But don't you think that this laptop is aimed at the ultra portable market? Like I'm feeling this is part of this is trying to wedge itself into the ultra portable. The Ultrabook markets right. or the MacBook Airs or the Asus right. Zenbooks or the or the HP whatever the hell it's called, you know. Right. And these are all mobile laptops. You can do a lot of things with it, and but they don't require an internet connection. You can right. install software, offline usage, and all that jazz. And sure, America's got this fantastic network of Wi-Fi installations like across the country. Right. You can go to a local Starbucks and you know join your fellow neckbeards right. browsing the web. But you know, in other countries. Wi-Fi is not prevalent right. at all. Although the speeds are The quite... speeds are incredible. Yes. But Wi-Fi is not prevalent. Only in Kansas in the United States is it... Thank you, know, you Google the, Fiber. Only the best in the world, I think, right? Then, yeah, around there. I think it's like 900 and something megabits. Per second? 
Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it's in, it's incredible. But my point is that you're paying. F- so on the other side of the right. argument, okay, I didn't even finish this first side. The first side of the argument is that it's fifteen hundred dollars for this really nice laptop. You can <laughs> uninstall Chrome OS and install Linux on it. Right. And you can install Ubuntu on it, which I thought was kind of hilarious because you could just buy a, a, another ultra portable laptop and do the exact same thing. Right. But let's forget about that part. Right. On the other side. People are arguing, well, this is a $1,500 online-only Facebook machine. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Why? Like, the entire like the entire point of the Chromebook was that it was supposed to be cheap, in effect, cheap effective, and productive. Disposable. Almost. Disposable. Yeah, it's that's what Eric like Schmidt a, was talking about. Right. It's like a disposable camera almost, yeah. right? Yeah. I remember they had this uh, this promo, promo video when the, the first Chromebooks came out. Yeah. And... It was like a number of sequences where different people came in and destroyed the crap out of the Chromebook because they wanted to uh, show the idea that Chromebooks can uh, easily transfer your data yeah. wherever you are, yeah. no matter yeah. if your hardware gets destroyed or lost or whatever. Yeah. You're always going to be with your data. See, here's what I, I think Apple, uh, not Apple, Google is trying mm. to go with this. They're trying to bring back the netbooks. <laughs> Right. And we all know what happened to the netbooks. They got outclassed by tablets. They got right. outclassed by ultrabooks. They they were cheap. It's like it's just like Steve Jobs' original introduction of the of the iPad. Right. They're cheap, they're shoddy, they don't do much work. And you know, they're disposable. Right. Precisely they're disposable. But that's not how people use their computers, right? Exactly. So, right. You're not gonna buy you're not gonna spend a cut like the netbooks. You're not gonna spend three hundred bucks on a netbook. Like you spend fifty bucks on a toaster, right? Like, no, it's not going to happen. No, they're going to take good care of their products. Pe- some people even keep their device. Like some people keep their desktops for like five years to seven years, mm-hmm. more than the length of their car. Some people, right. the length of their car ownership. And you're bringing out this fifteen hundred dollar mm. ultrabook that runs an online only system. Mm. You know, it feels like they're trying. They're trying to penetrate the high-end netbook market, which isn't there. Right. But I, I, I still think the value of of having your data wherever you go. I think that's a huge selling point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, otherwise you can just get a subscription for Dropbox and move all your data there, and it'll be cheaper though. And, yes, it'll be cheaper. You don't have to uh, splurge. You know, even. Even Apple's iCloud ecosystem. Right. You use iWork, all your data will be in the cloud, in iCloud. You use even Preview, your PDFs will be saved into iCloud. You know, there's all, there's all, there's a whole bunch of desktop integrated cloud services that already exist. So why do you want to spend $1,500 buying a laptop that's practically a cloud laptop? Right. We'll see what happens. But we'll see what happens. It's already available for order. Not like PlayStation where they announce and then they <laughs> and say... they never showed the actual product. Yes. yes. Oh, show up next year, or at the end of the year, by holiday season. Don't worry, guys. <sighs> oh, thank, oh, Sony. The interesting thing, uh, I think it was like on the... I read the, the first article I read was on The Verge, and then mm-hmm. someone posted a screenshot. I don't know if you've seen it. A screenshot of their order receipt having already purchased yes. a Chrome Pixel. Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> I saw that one. I, I thought like, it was wow. funny. That, was that guy fast. was quick. Yeah, 
These are the early adopters I'm talking about. Super early adopters. If that guy bought a $1,500 Chrome Pixel, then that guy's probably going to pre-order a Google Glass. Already done. Yeah, he's already he's already got he's already got his check written out. Right. He's already got the mortgage, second mortgage signed out to the bank. Right. All right. So, uh, so let's let's talk about something else. What do you want to move to? Alex? Um, recent hackings have been. Like even today, there was this really Microsoft. There was, another, there was another one today. Microsoft. Oh my goodness! Small batch of their computers got hacked. If they were running Windows, you know, here's the obligatory Windows joke. Right. You know, if they were running Windows on their servers, well, no wonder. You know, <laughs> no. But the hacking thing—it's <laughs> they say it originates from one building in China. Right. <laughs> but the Chinese Defense Ministry says no, it's not us. But the Americans have been hacking us too. What's up with that? <laughs> like, you first you say no, it's not us, and then you accuse American government hacking their computers. I'm like, that's sort of like this big red flag that shoots mm. up. But you know, high profile companies like Apple, Facebook, um, Facebook recently Twitter. got hacked. Twitter got hacked. Who else is next? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it's They're like just running down through the list of all these top internet companies. Here. Maybe it's going to be Oracle through a Java exploit. <laughs> <laughs> But but still, you know... Have you disabled Java on your computer right away? You know, I still need it. Right. For... One thing. Okay. <laughs> but it doesn't run often. I think I was I was trying to access something yesterday, and then it said, please turn on Java. And I was like, oh, wow, this is finally the first time I yeah. actually see this. You know, Java's going the way of, like, Flash. Right. Adobe Flash. <laughs> you but, know, back... And again, in- Adobe Flash... I'm not sure. Was it on like a billion devices? As Java, Java is three billion devices, three billion. according okay. to their marketing yeah. promo. I'm but, pretty sure they, you know, <laughs> Java fudged those numbers a little bit. I, I'm going to be first to say thank you right. for killing Java. Right. Thank you, hackers, for making Java less <laughs> less um, good. <laughs> progress <laughs> thank you thank you job for kill thank you for killing java well, web. killing them slowly slowly sure. yeah bleeding out the expensive millions of computers infected yes. with malware yes. but if they're still using unpatched versions of java i would argue that they deserve it it is a dangerous world out there it is a very that. dangerous world yes. who will be next tomorrow you know? <laughs> well we can pick let's see what's the next big internet company oh amazon it, oh wow Please, no. I don't want, like, Please. a thousand boxes shipped to my house because someone stole my information. <laughs> now, that I worry about because, yeah. you know, that, there's a lot of, you know, sensitive info. There's a lot of, actually, a lot of internet services that rent out mm-hmm. their data servers. You know, like, even Reddit. Their data servers are on Amazon's cloud services. Right. Netflix. So it's, yeah, Netflix, exactly. Right. Christmas Day, I remember. Amazon Web Services went down. Netflix went down, too. So, you know, Amazon's, like, in their hands, in the data, uh, database operations are in everything. So if someone managed to hack, Chinese or not, someone managed to hack Amazon's web-based servers, that's going to be like, okay, we got we to gotta get rid of whatever way they got into it. And it may, well, may in fact, be Java. And mm-hmm. that might be the final nail in Java's coffin. And I salute you. Bye, Java. <laughs> Flash, on the other hand, we'll see from that. Flash is slowly on its way up, but not as a fast pace as Java. Right. Okay, so two more topics to go. Uh, Want to talk about jailbreaking? Jailbreaking, yes. Um, the evasion team, 
has finally released their they first they cleared the new 6.1.2 or 0.1 no 0.2 point two's update to be free to be good to install because it doesn't patch the critical um injection method the jailbreak, jailbreak apps used to be paid or i mean i mean the uh, jailbreak method no solution. it's it's been free since yeah. day one yeah, yeah. okay but the, eva- eva- the evasion team has recently just patched. They released a newest version of their uh, jailbreaking tool right. to accommodate for 6.1.2 devices. Right. So, you know, that exploit hasn't been covered. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so jailbreakers re- rejoice. Right. You can upgrade your devices to 6.1.2 if you need the, exchange. Two days ago, I finally jailbroke my device. First time in two years or mm-hmm. one and a half years. How do you like it? It well, see, the first time around on my first iPod Touch, the second generation, the main reason why I didn't like it was because over time, the device just froze up a lot, was really slow, and it just became unusable. And so yeah. that was the main reason why, you know, when the next iOS update came out, I said, whatever, let's get rid of my jailbreak. And yeah, yeah. I haven't looked back since. Yeah. And then so when uh, when the new jailbreak came out, I saw how simple it was. I remember back then when I first did it, the crazy process where you have to hold the yeah. home button, you to go hold to the lock screen, and then mode. hold for five seconds, and then yeah, it's like, yeah. wow. It's very, it's gone. It's come a long way. Right. From Literally, from all you have to do, plug it in, press the button, and then It'll do it. everything for you. You'll have right. Cydia. You'll have all that, all jailbroken, done. Right. Right. Yeah, it's come a long way. It's come right. a long way. And so far, since the jailbreak... And this is still early. Um, mostly, it, the number of freezes and slowdowns has been quite minimal. Minimal. Yeah. And so I guess I'm happy so far. I, and so some of the uh, customizations I have: icon, the theme that you. Uh, That's a lot A-Y-E-C-O-N, of Y E C O N icon. Icon. Pronounce icon. And um, I think uh, Joseph, you shared that with me. Right? Yes, it's yeah. one of the. Premier, oh, right. well, Premier is kind of a very glamorous. It's word. one of the most popular. Most popular, right. that's the one. Po- right. Most popular um, winterboard yeah. themes. Right. Winterboard's the skinning application. It's and, a play and on it's springboard. Two dollars or three dollars. Two or three dollars. Two yeah. or three dollars. Yeah. Right. And up to this point, I hadn't purchased any city apps before. First yeah. time around, I never purchased. That. I was like, yeah. no, there was. Well, first of all, there wasn't any decent or must-have paid city app at that time yeah and then this time around i was amazed by how many different paid city apps that were worth purchasing yeah icon one of them yeah uh one of which they were and so uh i don't know if uh the i was unfamiliar with the uh, i guess the purchase process first of which you have to log in with facebook or google and then once you have that authenticated uh, you have to pay with PayPal or Amazon. Now, I, I, I know that you said that you use PayPal, but the interesting thing was that with PayPal, you have to pay a $2 fee or something like that every time you make a purchase. Is that correct? $2 fee? No. Because I, I was reading about that. I, I was like Googling something and then comparing the differences between the two payment methods, and they said, Amazon, you don't have to pay an extra fee whereas paypal you do and so that's the main reason why i went with amazon payments i've never gotten a fee with paypal so huh. i don't know okay maybe, maybe that was just an old 
screenshot, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Okay. So, well, otherwise, it's been pretty smooth. I guess, I, I guess it was quite, uh, uh, you know, bumpy in, at first, but right now it's pretty. I remember you getting, you sent me all these texts about how <laughs> you can't access your account because one password. Right. Uh, switching out to one password. Uh, you folks two, out there. Two pro- step authentication two logged step, in yeah. is a nightmare. You folks out there with, uh, one password, what do you value more, convenience or security? Right. <laughs> I'll value security any day. That was utter nightmare. <laughs> hey, but you got it to work. Right. You got it to work. Barely. Barely. I, I don't know if there was a clock, but I, I had this internal clock going like, go, 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 and then all these different steps, and then finally I was able to get it through. I was like, Phew. Thankfully, I remembered the uh, the uh, five or six-digit code. <laughs> ah, I see. I was worried about that part. So, But... uh. What other city apps do you have? Well, I use Nitrous. I think that's really nice. I sh- uh, you've told me before that you didn't see any marginal marginal improvement, <laughs> no. but I've certainly thought there's been right. When I first heard about, it, I thought it was too good to be true. Like make all your apps, or well, at least the apps that re- rely on the uh, web viewer, like uh, Facebook, Twitter, and also Chrome. The most important thing, I think. Yeah, but I guess from real world usage. I didn't notice anything just from, you know, browsing around and I didn't see any difference. Yeah. Now I read an article where they did actual benchmarks. Yeah. And they there was a considerable difference. I mean, it's 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 like in measured in microseconds sometimes. Right. So you, of course you won't notice it, but it's definitely there. Right. I mean, you can you can definitely see the snappiness of browsing Facebook. The Facebook app, when you go through links on Facebook right. and other apps that have external web browsers. Google Chrome, I think, was the <clears> primary <throat> reason for people buying Nitrous because Google, without Nitrous, Google Chrome was slower than Safari. But right. some people don't like Safari. Right. When I, Also, the other thing I thought, something like this, there must be a reason why uh, apps aren't allowed to use the, um, yeah. what do they call it, the JavaScript engine? Yeah. yeah. And. I remember reading an article or like a forum thread and people were saying how when they activated Nitrous, it caused all their apps to freeze or, or crash and whatnot. And that made sense to me at that time. Like, of course, that's the reason why yeah. apps can't do that. It's because yeah. with it on, then, you know, your device is unusable. It's more of the uh, closeness and the non-competitiveness Apple has imposed on its app ecosystem. Right. You know... They have this clause in their app development agreement where you can't develop an app that mimics functionality already present on the device. Sounds like Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, sounds like Twitter. But, you know, that sort of brought restrictions to a lot of web browsers that can't access Safari's built-in JavaScript engine. So they have to pull in their own. Well, they can't pull in their own. They have to use a lesser... Yes. One compared to to safaris, right. but with nitrous brings it across the board. Only right. for a dollar, all your web right. browsing apps, your apps that use uh, you know an external browser, not Safari or in in app browser, right. all use nitrous now. So the web rendering will be faster. Right. And then on that same benchmark on that blog post, they compared uh, nitrous enabled with Chrome versus uh, Safari. Yeah. And it was almost on par yeah so essentially the speed improvements all you're getting is what you have with safari currently yeah and you know javascript takes up a lot of 
It takes some performance, takes right. some CPU cycles to do, right. and it makes perfect sense. If Chrome on iOS didn't have the JavaScript rendering engine that right. Safari had and wasn't allowed to bring its own in, of course it's going to be slower. But right. now with Nitrous, it's like, no, no, they're about the same. I think also the other aspect is because it depends on the web pages that you're viewing. That's Some true. pages benefit from having that turned on. Yeah. Otherwise, it won't. You won't see yeah. any difference. Maybe yeah. that was the reason why I didn't see any you know, noticeable Maybe. difference. Maybe, right. yeah. yeah. Okay. Makes, makes sense. Okay. So some other uh, jailbreak apps that I have installed, one is NC Settings. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people are talking about SB Settings as one of the you know first three things that you install when you have Cydia. Yes. And I remember SB Settings being this pretty useful tool for accessing a lot of the uh, most used settings uh, controls like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, yeah, uh, and and those controls are like one of the things people always clamor about iOS that Android has had since Android yeah. three, I think. Right. The, you know, these widgets you can, you know, widgets in general. People are always complaining about how you can't have easy access to the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth, and that might just be a fact of Apple's design paradigm for iOS. Right. But you know, with SB settings being the first one, people are like, "Wow, this is awesome! I can now swipe the top of my status bar, and I can get access to activating my Bluetooth, my Wi-Fi, right. killing processes, and all that stuff." Right. NC settings does it within Notification Center since they introduced Notification Center right. in iOS five, which makes more sense in yeah. terms of the design wise, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you have two different sw- swipe gesture motions for accessing two different, uh, you know. Two different areas. Yeah, makes, first with SB settings and one with notification center. Yeah, makes makes perfect sense. And right. one has to wonder when Apple will take this hint. Right, and, and it and the best thing, it looks like it was made by Apple. Right, yeah. it, it just integrates yeah. so you know smoothly into maybe, it. Maybe it was some Apple engineer that likes <laughs> hacking on his iPhone. You never know. <laughs> we'll see. iOS six or. Seven. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Seven. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Maybe even earlier. Hopefully. <laughs> we don't know. Apple, if you're hearing, this is what we're uh, Come on, Apple. Yes. <laughs> Please. Yes. So uh, two other apps that I want to mention, Flux. Uh, I, I don't think you use it, right? Flux. I used to use it on my desktop computer. Then I got... Because I do I do some photo editing. Oh, that is true. Processing, so it it's sort of messes with my yeah. with the perception of colors. So right. I have to turn it off. And you know, if I have to continually turn it on and off, I I might as well just uninstall it. Right. Uh, now I remember like that's usually the one uh, I guess criticism. You know, people are like photographers, graphic yeah. designers. Yeah. You need they, perfect they, color. Right. Reproduction. They can't see the different, or it just messes up their work. Yeah. So flux on your iPod or your iOS device. So every time it's sunset, it activates. You see that translucent. Uh, this is yellowish, yellowish tint to candle. help your eyes adjust to the right. different colors, so you don't right. get you know blinded right <laughs> at night. It is kind of, I guess, flickery. I guess because sometimes when I, I guess when I exit an app, it reverts back to the uh, the normal LCD screen and then, mm. and then it kind of freezes again and then switches back. So I see. That's the only I guess downside so far. But it's it, for people who who want right. who want it. It's there, and it's free. Yeah, it's free. Right. Yeah. So you know, an alternative to having having to install Flux is paying like seventy dollars for these pair of glasses <laughs> to have a yellow tint on it. Oh yeah, those are Gunnar, Gun, Gunner 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 glasses. Gunner glasses. Yeah. It's popular among gamers. Yeah. And programmers, because they're in front of the computer all the time. My friend, who's a CS major, 
But you're not going to want to wear it outside. That's the main reason, right? Yeah, it's mostly at home. Mostly right. at home. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So it would be unfeasible for you to wear it when you're using your mobile device outside. <laughs> hey, if people are wearing Google Glass, then, you know. <laughs> that's that's another fashion problem right yes. there. So I guess the last one, Byte SMS. Uh, now, this is like an extension of the built-in iMessages. Yes. Where instead of having to exit your app every time you get a message, you can quickly respond to it and then uh, go right back to your yes. app. Yes, yes. I actually, I've always heard good things about Byte SMS, right? But I, some, some of it I just don't like. So right. I and I bought IntelliScreen X, which puts your notification screen on your front. Plus, mm-hmm. it adds a bunch of other pages like Facebook and Twitter. Right. They have their own implementation of responding to texts with, without having to unlock your device. So I just use that instead of Byte SMS. I remember reading like say where um, if you purchase IntelliScreen. You get uh, messages plus, which is another similar. Uh, I app. think that's that. That's the implementation that I'm talking. Oh, about. Oh, okay. So I guess that's that already inside. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I just use that instead. Right. I can see the appeal of Byte SMS though, because I used to use Android before, and Byte SMS practically just reproduces what Android does. You right. can answer text messages from your uh, lock screen. Right. Which for some people who do frequent text <clears throat> that don't want to continually unlock their device, I can see the appeal for it. Mm-hmm. Personally for me, I don't get that many texts because getting friends is hard. Having yeah. texting friends is hard. I'm your so, only friend. Oh, Tony. Oh. <laughs> I'll cry in a corner now. <laughs> okay, so one last topic. Um, uh, what app have you recently downloaded? I downloaded, you know, I have this thing where it's like, I have to put tasks in my calendar or else I'll forget about it. But then, you know, there's always, there's always task management applications. Right. And I've always, there's always some really funny ones out there that are pretty, are kind of jokey, but they're effective. And I downloaded this one called Carrot, which it plays itself as this AI type, this malevolent AI that coerces you or praises you into doing tasks that you put down right and it's it's pretty it's it's snarky it's funny mm. i really enjoy using it so it's this uh task management app that it's pretty simple interface all you do is swipe downwards um type in the task press enter and then when you are completed when you've completed it you just swipe to the right and you get points for it and you level there's these level ups you get oh so it's gaming uh... it's gamification of task i it's kind of kind of oh. there's no like games to play it's sort of like you get these these points for doing the activities you put down and it's entertaining. Some of the things that that app says to you, it's kind of entertaining. I have the apparently, according to the app, I have this cat called Sludge. <laughs> and if I don't complete app or tasks within like a couple of hours, Sludge it, will starve. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like literally, it says wow. Sludge gets no food today. Wow, it's like so a Tamagotchi it's, almost. It's like Tamagotchi. Yeah, it's like this malevolent <laughs> AI. Think Glados from Portal wow. when you don't do tasks. Wow, <laughs> you know. But then when you do do tasks, the, it has different stages of mood. Wow. It has like joyful, pleased, and then it gets to angry and then wrathful, where it starts like calling you names and stuff it's like just having a boss but virtually i guess yeah it's it's it's, it's a <laughs> playful kind of thing you know it's funny right cool. so that's one of the apps that i personally enjoy i think it's like a dollar i think on the ios app right. store it's it's clean nice and aesthetically pleasing cool so all right 
So um, the app that I want to talk about is Sunrise, which is a calendar app. Yes. And I've tried so <clears throat> I tried a lot of calendar apps. I've tried Same the here. recent one, Tempo, Fantastical, Fantastical Agenda, yeah. iOS Calendar, and just none of them really have all all everything that I need in yes. one bundle. Yes. Fantastical has the excellent natural language yeah. recognition. Very good, actually. Yeah, very good. And especially when you're on your on your iOS device, right? Yeah. It makes it's not as useful when you're say on your desktop, but on, when you're on the go, it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's, right. it's there's something I have to commend about Fantastical's right um, text recognition. It's right. just so convenient. And so uh, Sunset came out. Called, Sunrise. This, uh, Sunrise. Sunrise. Uh, that's sun- Sunset is 2.0. <laughs> it's uh, their other app, right? Although that's kind of a a uh, negative connotation, like Sunset retired. You know, <laughs> that's when, when that's when they get phased out or stop developing. That's when they get bought out by Google, and they, everyone hates their app like Sparrow. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> so um, Sunrise uh, integrates with Google Calendar. Yeah. Something that both both of us use so that was I, one huge plus for me i, I guess. love google calendar it's right. just so so if there's one thing i don't care for in google calendar is my my respect for privacy i don't care i'm gonna put everything <laughs> down in google calendar because it just makes my life so much easier huh. so with sunrise they the the backstory to this was that they started out as a email newsletter mm-hmm. i actually subscribed to that in the beginning but um, I didn't really find it useful mainly because, you know, I didn't want to get my calendar only from an email. Yeah. But the, the design elements there, I think that's what drove so many people to uh, be interested in it and, you know, subscribe to it. That and makes so, sense. I've never actually heard of, like, email notifications. Is it email notifications of calendar events? Yeah. They, they send you, like, a, I guess, in the morning, like a, like a, it's like a personal assistant giving you a paper saying, "Hey, this <laughs> your is paper, sir." <laughs> yes, this is your agenda essentially wow. for the day, wow. and and it really resembled what it is currently right now in the. So, app. so it still sends you like notification, like email notification. No, 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 notification. No. Thankfully, no, that does not happen. Okay. <laughs> so you have to open up the app and then okay. see what is on your agenda. I see, and so um, I guess the. I think, uh, I think I t- talked to you about this where Fantastic Cow's natural language uh, recognition. I was thinking, oh man, if they don't have this in in Sunrise, that's going to really suck. Yeah. Luckily, they have, a, I guess, a, uh, a different version of that. They use it. Google's one, right? right? Google's API, right? Yeah. Which is, I tried it once and it worked. So I guess, you know, if it passed that test, yeah. hopefully it'll stay perfect I guess. like i said google's at google calendar is one of one of the apps that i use most of the time when managing my calendars and if if, if sunrise uses google calendar integration right. with google calendars and even their uh, text to event api well, right. that's great cool. that's great all right so uh wow that was a long discussion uh hopefully oh man okay so <laughs> that's all the topics for today um, I guess please feel free to share your comments and feedback. We'll kindly uh, consider and look at all of them. And it's very important, I guess, because this is the first or second time, I guess, that we're Criticism is 
constructive criticism is wanted. Yes, even though this is going to be posted on the internet. Yes, the internet where the internet (laughs) F1 theory applies. Yes. So please send us your uh, comments and complaints, compliments. And also check out the Kickstarter to uh, raise $80 for... A better uh, microphone. Yes, for... Uh, Joseph's second microphone. So, <laughs> or convince, pledge a dollar to convince Tony to raise my wage from zero dollars to zero point five dollars. Oh man, that's <laughs> that's quite a bit. <laughs> oh man. All, All right. right. Well, thank, thank you for listening. All right. Bye.